good to be back. <laughs> I tried to be back last week, but work did not have that in planned. Uh, let's sing this morning. Let's get our service started. We're going to start with Days of Elijah. Sing with some energy this morning. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord These are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials Famine and darkness and sword So we are the voice in the desert Crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, behold, He comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, lift your voice to hear of Jubilee, and out of Zion till salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel. The dry bones becoming his flesh. These are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in your world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun At the trumpet's call, lift your voice Year of Jubilee, out of Zion till salvation comes There's no God like Jehovah There's no God like Jehovah There's no God like Jehovah there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Come on. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. Shining like the sun at the trumpet's call, lift your voice, year of jubilee, and out of signs till salvation comes. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call, lift your voice, year of jubilee, and out of signs till salvation you're glad that salvation has come through Jesus Christ, say hallelujah today. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together in your place, in your house. And God, we are thankful that you chose to love us so much that you allowed your son to come and, and make that pathway available to each one of us through his blood of salvation. So God, I pray if there's someone here today that has never bowed a knee, never surrendered themselves unto you for whatever the reason. Whether they may be a good person that's always lived a, a moral life, Lord God, but have just finally realized they have never surrendered the lordship of their lives to you. Whatever it may be today, may your will be done. God, I lay this congregation, everyone that, can, that, that hears our voice today, may they realize the one whom we serve isn't this church or it isn't even one another as much as it is serving you. And in so doing, we serve each other. Father, may thy will be done, Father, in your house and in your people. And may you get all the glory and praise for it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. It's, it's been a good week. Camps have started and we got more camps coming up. And God is good. And, and his word's being preached. Amen? Amen. Walk around, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, and let them know that God's in the house today. Amen, Amen is right. Absolutely.
is the man in here who makes demons flee. He makes cripples walk and he's chosen even me. Oh, he lives in my heart and I have no fear. I'm a better man because there's a man in here. Just stay, go your way. Tell you I'm a dozen man in here. Man in here, water to wine, and he walks on the water and decides to reply. Gives back life to the one who's dead, and he fed for a thousand. With seven loaves of bread There's a man in here Who makes demons flee Who makes cripples walk And he's chosen even me Oh, he lives in my heart And I have no fear I'm a better man Cause there's a man in here We're about to die. Peace be still. Ways we let you say. Where was your faithfulness while we were also afraid? I saw the water was smooth and clear. They said, Thank you, God. There's a man in here. Man in here who turns water to wine. And he walks on the water and your side to the blind. Gives back life to the one who's dead and he fed for a thousand with seven loaves of bread. There's a man in here who makes people flee, who makes cripples walk, and he's chosen even me. Oh, he lives in my heart, and I have no fear. I'm a better man, cause there's a man in here. In here who water to wine, and he walks on the water All right, sir. Glory, amen. And we are better men because of that, amen? Better people, I should say. Amen. Hallelujah. And Chris, it is good to have you back, brother. Y'all sound great. Just a few announcements this morning. The uh, one of which I did not change the board. I just realized I did not change the board. So if it looks the same, um, I apologize. Just a, a couple announcements. We do have camps coming up, more camps. We continue to keep uh, everyone in prayer, camp pastors, camp worship leaders, the youth leaders, um, everyone involved. Just throughout the summer, just continue to lift up uh, the camps. Now, Alta Frio Baptist Encampments, where we go, and they've had some personnel things going on there, so make sure to, to lift them up in prayer as well. But every uh, coming from there this week, I can say that the spirit is still great. The the being, I was able to sit down and talk with with Brother Tim, who is the uh, camp director there, and and just just sweet spirit. And uh, God is really moving already in the camps this year, and I I am looking forward to just see how much more He's going to move. God is really using these evangelists and these music people, and, and I pray that every one of us as Christians, we're allowing him to use us as well. So continue to lift it up in prayer. Uh, pray for the bus as we're heading out tomorrow for the master's camp at Alta Frio. The bus did have a, a little issues last week and broke down, but it turns out we suppose it has a low water sensor. It just quit, a little bit low in water, added water, and started up, and it's ran there and the rest of the way back. So we're praying for another one of those trips this week there and back. So uh, it's running good and the air is working, so we're just going to go with it. But keep us in prayer. Amen? Uh, all the camps. Keep praying for all the camps. Only other couple things I want to mention, one of which, 
I was reading the, the I brought this up in Sunday school, so I thought I'd bring it up in here as well. If you haven't noticed on the entryway on the foyer table down there, we used to go through these quite a bit, people reading them, but it seems like nobody's reading these any longer. However, we get the on mission and the, the Texan every month, and I'm I'm having to throw many of them away where they're not being read. Now, I will say that both of these this month have some incredible information in them. This is uh, this, the, the, because of some of our Supreme Court nominations and some of the presidential things that are going on. Uh, there's a lot of great reads in the Texan this week, this month. So I want to encourage you guys. These these things are sitting there on the back table. I know a lot of folks put in the monies, and there's ties that go to the organizations, the mission boards, and stuff that print these. I hate it. it just slays me to throw them in the trash or anything like that. When, especially when they, it's not like it's silly material. There's a lot of good reporting and research that's put into these and in, in interviews. So I encourage you guys, these, these magazines are on the back table every month. Help yourself to those. They're free. They, they don't cost you anything. And if you read it, bring it back, put it back if, there's, if we're out of them. But make sure that if you uh, can, utilize the resource that's put back there. The only other thing I want to mention is our IT. As you, know, we, as you see, we don't have our screens up yet. We were talking about uh, replacing the projectors. The projectors have been wonderful. They've been great. But for clarity purposes and being able to see uh, depth within our, our videos and such, we talked about putting monitors, the bit large monitors up on the screens. We're still a few hundred dollars short on that. So the, the offering box is in the back. You can drop it in either one of the prayer and offering columns. We don't pass a plate in the church. Just annotate on your, your envelope or annotate on your check. If you want to give an over and above offering towards the IT, uh, situation that we want to change out we're getting closer but we're still a few hundred dollars short so if you want to give to that there's a special box in the back or just annotate it and drop it in one of the other columns as well but we are getting there praise the lord and god is good amen that's the one who's going to be glorified by whatever transpires here today so we're going to go ahead and go with our scripture reading chris i didn't think to ask you if you're ready i hope you are okay Father God, I just lift up my brother to you and just ask in the name of Jesus that you will just touch him in a mighty way and may he feel your presence as we hear you through him. Thank you for his willingness. As I saw this week with all the youth evangelism pastor and the group and all, it's so great to me to see these young men who are willing to get up and be used by you. So God, just may you bless him and his family and just just be with him and Colby and Evie and just bless them for his willingness to to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So as many of you guys know, uh, Colby and I and our family moved out to the country a few months ago. Uh, we're living on a plot of land that was previously uninhabited. Um, so, you know, all the joys that come with living in the country on a previously uninhabited plot of land. Uh, our land is teeming with mice and rats and uh, especially rabbits. We have herds of rabbits at our house. They, we, we pull in and the rabbits just start jumping out of the way as, as we're pulling up and down our driveway. Um, so, you know, just all sorts of things with nature that... Uh, that you don't really see in the city when you're living in the city, you start to take notice uh, while you're living out in the country. Um, I was wondering why we have so many rabbits. I mean, there's a, there's a, an easy reason why rabbits multiply so fast, but why aren't they being hunted? Why aren't the rabbit populations being you know suppressed a little bit with all of the other wildlife that should be around in the area? Um, I've always been fascinated with like hawks and eagles and, and birds and stuff like that but you don't really ever notice too many of them around our house and that was surprising to me given the you know large number of uh food for these hawks that, that we have here in our place um so as i was leaving out uh to come to church this morning i i noticed two uh really big uh, i guess they were just mexican hawks you know they're common around here but they're really big ones uh flying over our property and they they flew down and landed in our field which i'm assuming they you know they were hunting they were getting a rabbit or something like that and i was like man why why doesn't that happen more often this place is you know teeming with food and as they you know landed on the ground and you know caught whatever they were going to catch i started to notice other birds kind of flying up out of the the low bushes and shrubs that are also in the area um 
uh, mockingbirds and uh, scissor tails started coming up out of nowhere and they started going after this these hawks right these birds are apparently territorial uh, the scissor tails and the mockingbirds d- didn't like these hawks being in their area so you know the hawks came down and grabbed what they wanted and, and kind of moved along and they knew not to stay in the territory of these other small birds now it was weird to me because I was like well, this hawk is massive it can take these birds out no problem like why what's the deal like what why are there still no hawks you know in this in this area why don't we have any um so i'm going to read a verse and then i'm going to relate my little story here uh they're going to put it up on the screen hopefully uh matthew 26 41 says keep watch with prayer so that you may not uh, be put to the test the spirit is ready but the flesh is feeble so um hawks got to eat that's not what i'm talking about here as far as like sin and temptation goes like Hawks got to eat food. That's not sin in and of itself. But the hawk knows that it can't stick around in that area and overhunt that field and get fat and, you know, get lazy with with all of the animals that are in there. It knows not to stay in the sin and temptation. It moves on, right? It's aware enough to know that even though those little birds may be a slight annoyance, uh, eventually, you know, those little birds will get to it. Eventually, those little birds can actually do some damage to that hawk, Right. So even though the hawk is is willing and ready to fight, and it can take those birds out if it wanted to, um, the constant threat of all those little birds and being in that area, the hawk knows better. Amen. Right? So let's pray this morning. God in heaven, we thank you for uh, all of the wonderful examples that you give us in, in nature and, uh, and through the Bible, God, so that we can learn how we should operate. Um, we thank you so much for giving this day that we can come to your house and learn more about you. And we hope that uh, that your spirit does just that this morning, God, that your spirit comes into this place so that we can know more about you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. You guys are quiet this morning. Let's sing. Make a joyful noise. All right. We're going to sing, He Keeps Me Singing. There's within my heart a melody Jesus whispers sweet and low Fear not, I am with thee Peace be still In all of life's sap and flow Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know He fills my every longing me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. My every longing keeps me singing as I go, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath the sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face. That is why I shout and sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know He fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Sweetest name I know He fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go
Bless your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters and to mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, O、oh、God. Your grace is enough. Great is Your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of Your salvation, and all Your people sing along. So in Your people, remember your children. Remember your promise, O、oh、God. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Oh God, Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me, and I. Without you, 
This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. Desperate for you, and I I'm lost without you, and I I'm desperate for you. And I, I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you. Father God, I just thank you for who you are and what you are, Lord. We are lost without you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. I pray, guys, too, before you can be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. But you know, when we're worshiping and we're singing songs like this, I pray that you understand that that that's just as much a part of God's Word as, as opening His Word sometimes. We, we should listen to what it says and, and, and acknowledge it as we sing it. He should be the very air that we breathe. And if we say that several times, it's to remind us He is that air. Amen? Amen. I think, as, I, I think Chris very eloquently pointed out in his Scripture reading this morning, if we will just look around us and, and look at the things that, that God puts around us, whether it's the air we breathe, the rabbits in the field, the, the eagles in the sky, whatever it may be, God's speaking to us. He said the very rocks would call out his name if his people choose not to. Amen? We need to look around us. There, God's speaking to us, and it's in song, it's in word, it's in the actions of the, the animals, it's in creation. As he told Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the stars? Guys, God is all around us, and praise God for when these men... Uh, and ladies, come up here and sing and lead us in worship. Hallelujah. Thank you guys very much for that. I want to start the, the message off this morning with just, um, uh, uh, I guess what I would say is just my, kind of like Chris. Uh, something I noticed in nature just this past week. I, I was sitting by a waterfall. Actually, I was in that waterfall, sitting on the, the Frio River in a waterfall this past week after hearing an incredibly interesting and, and, and powerful message the night before by the youth evangelist, Andy Stewart. And as I was sitting in that waterfall, I was sitting in that river, and I was, I was watching, and I was just, just praying, and I was just seeking out God's face, and, and truly looking around me, and just in, in that, I, I think every person should strive to have a quiet time. It may, you may not have the capability to go out and sit in a river, or, or sit out in your own field, but we should strive to have that quiet time where it's just you and God. But as I was sitting there and I was just, just reflecting on the message I had heard the night before and I had heard the, 
the, the, the music, the worship music that, that morning, and I was just sitting there, and I was looking at the water, how it flowed over me and flowed down the river and watching the, the fish, just watching how that, that water, the current, the way everything was flowing, it just kind of reminded me how often our lives flow by. Our lives are but a vapor. We, we are, are, the older you, we get, I think the more we understand and the more we recognize that there is an end to, the, to, the, to what we can do here upon this earth. But as that water was flowing, I was thinking how quickly our life tends to flow by, and yet we so often miss the simple message that we are to get as Christians. The message is presented to us, and we only have this little short amount of time, but yet we let it go right by. It was saddening to me as I was sitting there. I was thinking about how how often we miss the gospel. We think about the gospel, and we think about, oh, yeah, that's for the lost people. And we, we go on living our lives, we'll accept Christ, but then we go on living our lives like we made some kind of down payment on heavenly fire insurance, not realizing, well, you know, the gospel, that's just for the lost people. It, it's just for those that don't know Christ yet. And so we continue going on doing whatever we choose to do, thinking, well, as long as I go to church periodically, as long as I read my Bible periodically, as long as I do this or that every once in a while, as long as I try to be a good boy, everything is okay. Folks, let me tell you this morning, you could be an absolute and complete moralist, just do everything well. But if you're not doing what Christ has called you to do, you're wrong. And unfortunately, I think so many times as Christians, we forget the gospel. We accept Christ, but then as we talked about in Sunday school a little bit this morning, we forget what all Christ did for us. And when we start forgetting the gospel, when we forget the, we we, would be quick to say, oh yeah, he died for us. But we forget the details of the crucifixion and everything that transpired that Passion Week. And we just start living our life the way we choose to live it on a daily basis because we forget just how pertinent and powerful the imagery is when we picture in our minds of who and what Christ did for us, who he is and what he did for you and I. Because we let that gospel message kind of float away from us, we start floating back to the ways of the world. And our life is is but a vapor. We don't have time for that. As Christians, we don't have time to continually going back to the ways of the world. We should strive to be who he has called us to be. If, we, if our commitment to Christ is really real, if it's what it should be, then we should be a changed person. We should be different. There's a story I read one time about these sticks, these, these little red sticks, and they, they, they swim around in their bucket of red paint, and they're hanging out in their bucket of red paint. Well, one day the, the sticks next door call over and say, hey, won't you come visit? Well, the red sticks, they're excited about trying something new. Oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to come visit. Well, they get up the next day, and they go over, and they jump into that can of paint next door. Well, guess what? It's blue paint. That means the red sticks, what happens? They're not red anymore. They're blue. Now, that story may sound a little bit corny, but when we're running with the world and we're all painting the town red and everything, that day that we say, you know what, I'm going to jump into that godly bucket, we shouldn't be red anymore. We should be blue. We should change. There should be something different about us. We should not want to be back the way we were because we are something new. We are something different. We have changed who we are. You may say say that we lost our identity. Yeah, we lost our identity with the ways of the world and been given a new creation, a new identity in Christ Jesus. Our text today that, 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 that we're going to read here in Ephesians is going to show us three different ways to engage the world. We'll see how the lost engage the world, how Christians should engage the world, And then, praise God, he goes on to show us how Christ, as an example, engaged the world. Who are we, if we are Christians, and we acknowledge that our life only has an allotted amount of time. It says that it's a point on man wants to die and then to face the judgment. Unless the Lord returns first, we're going to die. So in that space of time that we have been given, we should be making a difference. How are we to engage the world? How are we to get out there? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, let's first look at those who are apart from God, how they engage the world. In in chapter 4, starting in in verse 17, he says, sorry, 
Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of the hearts. They became callous and gave themselves to the promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. That's those who are apart from God. That's how they interact. When people are separated from God, when people are not in tune with what God would have them to do, it is very difficult to relate to godly values. It's very difficult to relate to being what God has called us to be. Paul also describes it as the futility of thinking, the darkened understanding. That's what keeps people separated. When we start running the ways of the world and doing what the world would have us to do, we're falling right along the lines in that darkened understanding. We, we, we get, you know, when I was sitting there and, and, and I was thinking about this, I think this is what, this was the best analogy for me to liken it to. When we as Christians start running with the world at times, we are getting that darkened understanding. And I kind of likened it when I was in a, a uh, let's just say when people are inebriated, when they are just incredibly dead drunk. I, I, I remember when I was at a training command, it was kind of funny to us. There was an EM cl- uh, a, a club on, on base there, and it was funny for my buddy and I. We would go over sometimes at 2 a.m. just to watch the guys that couldn't handle their liquor. When they come barreling out of the club when the doors are closed. Well, the officer on deck, his job was to act kind of as a deterrent. As the vulturous crowd would come out and yelling and screaming, he was supposed to kind of direct them to do what they needed to do on base, get where they needed to be. And my buddy and I, we always thought it was hilarious to watch some of these guys. You know, because they would, without end, you know, normally everything would go okay. But you almost always had at least one young buck that would come out and think, you know, hey, it's my way or the highway. I've got it all going on. His his mind is clouded from all the partying in the nightclub that night. But in his mind, hey, I am right. And his mind is clouded because you know what that officer on the deck is going to do? He's going to speak to him a little bit. He's going to try to get him to see reason. But reason isn't getting in there because his mind is clouded. He has darkened understanding because of the spirits he's been hanging out with for the last several hours. And what normally happens is shore patrol is called, and then there's a he's got to spend a night in a brig because he couldn't get his reasoning to fall in line with the officer of the deck's reasoning for what was going to transpire that night. I think oftentimes as Christians, we hang out with the world and our reasoning gets darkened and Jesus, being the officer of the deck, has to put us in time out. We get thrown in a brig because our reasoning becomes unreasonable. We don't think well. When we are running with the world, our our mind is, we, we get this almost complete inability to see things the way God sees things. We must start getting everything convoluted, and it becomes about my rights rather than his. It starts. We start thinking about, well, what's fair for me? What's what do I want rather than what God wants? And we start running, and, and God and Paul says it's futile. That futile thinking that describes people who are caught up in the world. When our minds are in that place, it's hard to see God's light. When we are in that darkened condition. God's light could be shining and we're just not seeing it. And then for those who don't know him, there's a complete break. And unfortunately, those who come to church sometimes, they may think that they know Christ, but really they've just been paying dues to religion. They start running with the world and all of a sudden they find themselves with that break and God's light's not shining in anymore. And what happens then? It says we rebel against the kingdom of God. We are not furthering the kingdom. We become ignorant of what God is. We become ignorant of who he is and what he wants to do, and we start rebelling. We start doing things the way we want to. And, and, and once sensitivity to the things of God are gone in our lives, we can chunk the rest of it. When we start just looking at what we want, our soul is in danger. When we start thinking about the things of the world more than the things of God, we have a problem. When as Christians, we start chasing the things the world does, say, oh, but that's fun, and this is fun, and this is fun. And we jump on the bandwagon to do all these things, but yet turn 
away from the things of God, you may still invoice it. Oh, yeah, I know who God is. But when we don't tune into the things of God, but we seek out the things that bring sensuality, when we indulge, as the Scripture says here, in, 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 in purity, we're just going to want to lust for more and more and more for me. And as Christians, that's not where we're supposed to be. We need to stop and remember that gospel. Because when we remember the gospel, when we remember that there is no shedding of, the, of, of sins without the remission of blood, when I start remembering what Christ did for me, he who had no sin, Paul says, became my sin. He is my propitiation. He is my mercy seat. He is who I, 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 he is taking it all for me. When I start remembering that gospel message, on a daily basis, not just when I accepted Christ, however, and went back when, when I remembered on a daily basis that the gospel is that he did this for me. He chose to become my sin. He chose to pay the price for my sin. He chose to bear my sin upon that cross so that if I will profess it with my mouth and believe in my heart, I can be saved. If I will remember that on a daily basis, not just to share with the lost, not just to share with my neighbor or my family member, but to share with myself then maybe, just maybe, the world's attractions will not be that bright. In fact, maybe God's light will be even brighter that day. Because I'll know who he is. I'll remember, wow, God, my life is flowing so quickly by, and I'm not paying you the homage that I should. Now, what does it mean to be a Christian? Paul goes on here, picking back up in verse 20. This is what we should be. He says, but that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming that you heard him and were taught by him, because the truth is in Jesus. You took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You, Christians, are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, and slander must must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you. Hallelujah. The essence of this message to Christians is is to live in a fundamentally different way from the people who do not know God. We should be, people should be able to look to you and I, not on Sunday. I think it was Stormy pointed out this morning. We, we do a good job of it on Sundays. People should be able to look at us on Tuesday evening, Thursday evening, Friday evening. People should be able to look to us and say, man, there is just absolutely something different about you. And I'm not saying that you, that, that you just read your Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see you read your Bible at lunch. Yeah, that's different. No, they should see something diametrically opposing to the ways of the world. They should feel a compassionate spirit. They should feel a driven spirit about you. They should say, man, what is it in you? The life of a believer is based on the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ is that he died for me. Therefore, if he died for me, I choose to die to self and live for him. I choose to live in a different way. When we come into a relationship with God through Christ... It says that God, he just throws away the old self. We become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I do not have to stay attested to and attuned to who I used to be. People like to bring it up. Satan will continually bring up what I used to be. But you know what the great thing is? God said, I can use all that nastiness of your path and make an incredible testimony for your present. I had some interesting conversations just this past week, but one of those was about our testimonies and where we were and where we came from and who we have become. But isn't it great, no matter what it may be, my God can take it if I choose to allow him to do so and use it to further his kingdom. 
We are to be, the, the Bible says in several ways, but we are to be buried with Christ and raised to new, like, new likeness. We have been transformed. We have been morphed, metamorphosis, from, from that ugly old pupa to a beautiful butterfly. Some people may like the caterpillars, but you know what I'm trying to say. We change into something more beautiful. We change into something else. When we step out of the red can of paint into the blue, when we change from that old creation to the new, and it's not we who change, it's God who changes us. It's Christ who moves in. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? God speaks in very practical terms here. He points it out very clearly. He tells us, avoid this and instead do this. He lays it out for us. It's not like we have to guess, well, I don't know, I'm not sure what's going on. And he says, don't do what the world does. Instead, do what the kingdom of God says. First thing he says, avoid lies. He, he's telling us straight out, as Christians, be honest. Speak truthfully, recognizing that, that when we lie to or about a brother or sister, we are hurting ourselves. What, what Paul's saying here is we are one body. And when I lie to or about someone in the body of Christ, I am hurting a part of my body. When I hurt someone else because I wanted to take the blame off myself, when I want to point fingers elsewhere, whatever the reasoning may be behind it doesn't change the fact Paul says that that's not of the kingdom of God because if we are one body, you're cutting off your hand despite your face. We are all brothers and sisters we shouldn't be gossiping on one another. We shouldn't be lying on one another. We shouldn't be pointing fingers at one another. If anything, if I feel as though that I so indirectly or so passionately need to do or say something, then I need to go to that person and say, hey, I want to pray. I want to lift you up before the Lord. I want to, I want to take you and, and lay this at God's feet. Same thing with our anger. Anger is an emotion. Don't, don't get me wrong. But just as lying cripples the, cripples the vessel that's moving towards God, anger can do the same thing. Anger is an emotion given to us by God. We, there is a righteous anger. Anger in and of itself is not bad. But what does he say? Do not sin in your anger. Anger can lead to sin. And that's something that believers are warned about. Anger is great if it's given to us by God and utilized properly. If not, anger can be deadly. In fact, Paul says this becomes a way that the devil can get his foot in the door and enter into your life is through your anger. As Christians, we're not to lie on one another, and we need to turn that anger, and some of us are are real quick to, to spark faster than others. But either way, that anger needs to be given over to God because he says, do not allow the sun to set on your anger. Paul says that directly. There's no sugarcoating. Do not let the sun set on your anger. That means if I'm holding a grudge, I don't care what the other person did. If I'm holding a grudge and I'm still angry about it, who's more in the wrong, him or me? As Christians, it may not make sense to the world. The world may say, well, that's just not socially acceptable. You need to go get lawyers. You need to get this. You need to throw this. You you ought to just go there and just punch him right in the nose. God says, don't let your anger get a hold of you in such a way. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We need to trust the Lord to do what He said He would do. Now that doesn't mean there's not a such thing as righteous anger, but there is a way to carry out the anger in a godly fashion. We are to take it to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do? Don't let anger this just, just fester and corrupt your life and the relationships in your life. That is not a godly way. That is not what godly people do. We should deal with it quickly. We should take it to the Lord right then. When we realize we're angry, especially when those words start to want to come out, we need to stop and get on our knees and say, Lord, here I am. Don't give the devil a place to to launch his vicious attacks. I've heard of churches, in fact, I I know some churches, they've got 30-year grudges going on inside. What is that doing to the ministry of God? We, our life is but a vapor. I don't have 30 years to sit and argue about something. Just accept I'm right and move on. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm right. sorry, Lord. In all seriousness, deal with the anger. Give it to Christ and say, God, what would you have me to do? And you know what oftentimes it is? It's in humility going to that individual and say, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. And you'll say, well, he started it, or this is because of them. I have a feeling 
that you probably can find something that you cross lines with where you can go and say, say you know, I am sorry for the way I reacted. I, I, don't, I don't like everything that transpired. I'd love to talk to you about it, but I'm sorry that I got so angry with you. You know how incredibly amazing God's power can work through a conversation like that and reach in and heal a relationship? As Christians, we are not to handle those situations the way the world does. Just because that guy gets on TV and says, I'm the hammer. That boy looks more dumb than anybody I've ever seen on TV. But yet, how many people are calling him instead of just going over and saying, you know, let's work this out. Folks, we need to understand that as Christians, we're not going to work the way the world works. Paul says, do not steal. Instead, as believers, we should find ways to, to share. We should make ways. Hey, what, look what I got. It may be old. But I got it, I rebuilt it, I cleaned it up. Can you use it, brother? Can you use it, sister? We're not to steal. We're not to be covetous of one another. But can you use it? I'd like to share with you. Serving is, is by far the best way of Christ. Serving others is a way of life for a believer. We should be here, hey, how can I help? How, what, what, what can I do here? And then he goes on, how's a believer supposed to speak? There's a biggie. How are we supposed to talk to one another? Do we talk like the world does, or should we take and talk the way that God says talk? It is, I think everybody seems to do it. It's not uncommon for you to be sitting in a restaurant with your wife and your children eating, and the table next to you is just cussing up a blue streak just every way you can. But what does Paul says say? He says, use words that encourages one another. Use words that are edifying. When we engage in the behaviors of the world, folks, when we engage in the same actions, say, well, everybody else is doing it. We were talking about marriage and submission this morning in Sunday school. Well, the world has made that word submit into an ugly thing, and they've twisted it to mean things that it's not supposed to mean. If we are submitting to Christ, that's what submit is. If I am submitting to Christ, I will want to do what God's called me to do. We are all been called to, to submit to Christ. When we engage in the behaviors of the world, when we act like the world, we grieve the Holy Spirit within us. Why? Because when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence. But as long as I cloud my thinking with the inebriated thoughts of the world, the Holy Spirit is shining a light saying, get back over here, dummy. But I'm keep on doing what I want to do. And the Spirit's getting more agitated and more agitated and more agitated because the more I do that, the more I'm hurting the kingdom of God rather than building it. So God tells us, get rid of the rage. Get rid of the the bitterness. Get rid of the hostility. Get rid of the, the stealing thoughts. Get rid of the covetousness and become kind. Become compassionate. Become the people that I've called you to be. Become the people I created you to be. Go out there and be light and, and, and salt to the world. Make a difference. These things, folks, are, are, are the markers of the children of God. Now, I understand. And here's the question for us. Can I really do that? How well do I do these things? How different am I from the world around me? It's hard. I agree it's hard. In fact, I would even go so far to say it's really quite impossible for us to be able to do it. We can't do it on our own. I am undoubtedly going to fail. And as I shared in Sunday school this morning, uh, that, that is why no church, no government, no anyone should follow a man, whether he be a pastor or anyone else. I, I pray that if something was to happen to me and I was to, to get in an accident and pass away today, or, or if the Lord was to call me elsewhere, or do this or that or the other. It's not about me. I pray that we have been able to share the foundation of God well enough that the church would continue to thrive and move forward because it's not about following Frank. It's not about following the president or the, the EU or whatever it is you, that it seems powerful to you. It's about following Jesus Christ. As long as God is at the forefront, as long as God's at the front, He is what's going to direct us. Now, I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And he, he addresses that. He, he, he tells us through the cross of Jesus in verse 1, the next chapter 5, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us, and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering 
to God. The text here says that, that God loved us and gave himself for us. Praise God. God loved us enough and gave us the most wonderful gift that we could ever be given. He gave everything for us. Have you ever seen a child imitate a parent, both good and bad? I remember many, a long time ago, I won't say which one of my kids it was, but I got the call from the school. You know what your child just said? I had to reprimand Sherry for saying that. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's what she gets for not being here this morning. No, just kidding. In all seriousness, he was imitating me. He had heard me say it. Because back then, I didn't know any better. Our kids want to emulate their parents. And Paul is saying that same thing here. That's the picture that Paul's lifting up as a believer. If we truly have Christ as our our Lord and our Savior, what does he say? He, He goes on, he says, Therefore, be imitators of Christ as dearly loved children. I should strive on a daily basis to be and imitate the example that Christ has set out for me. When I think about the gospel, when I think about what Jesus did, the ultimate act of sacrifice to serve me, to serve others, to give that gift of life, then I should stop and say, just as he gave himself as a fragrant offering, a loving sacrifice on my behalf, just as Jesus did, so should I. I should give myself as a sacrifice for Christ. Does that mean I won't be able to do all the things of the world? That's exactly what it means. But you know what? God blesses that. Jesus' actions are not only a a pattern worthy of imitation, it gives us new hearts. He says, you'll become a new creation. I'll make you a new man. You'll be a new Christian through Christ's forgiveness. And people will see it. As I said, sitting in that waterfall, watching the water flow by, I, I thought about David as he was singing, as he was writing the Psalms, and he says, life was but a vapor. I guess I just had one of those somewhat sublime moments in my life where I thought, you know, I just, I probably only got another 10 or 20 years on this side of glory. What am I doing? How am I using it? Can people see the difference? And I'm not saying, can people see religiosity? I won't fit the religious box. I won't. I am not the stereotypical First Baptist preacher. I know that. Don't want to be. Doesn't hurt my feelings any. I want to be what God's called me to be. And I want people to look at me and say, yeah, he's big and ugly, but the boy Christ, I know he knows Christ. He may not be, he may have a lot of rough edges and he may have a little bit of temporary attitude sometimes, but I see his heart is full of Christ. I can't do that. But he who dwells within me can, if I will submit not to the world, but to him. If I will live my life characterized by that word, instead. Instead of living like the world, I choose to imitate Christ. Instead of doing what the world would do here, I choose to imitate Christ. If we turn our eyes up to the... Just this past week, we, I loaded the car up and we went to go float the river for a minute, or a minute, three and a half hours. But anyway, I had the back of the hatch of the little Jeep up and everything. And when my backup camera, you looked, now instead of showing you where you back up, it was looking right into the sunshine. And my screen just went bing, <laughs> big sunshine, all over that little backup camera thingy. Thingy, sorry. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. I couldn't see anything. All you could see was sun. When we look at the S-U-N with our eyes, what happens? We look down, we're blinded. We can't really see or we'll see spots. I would submit to you that when we get a glimpse of heaven, when we look at the S-O-N and truly put our eyes on him, I think he's even brighter than that. And he'll blot out all the things of this world if we'll let him. Because the Shekinah glory of God will be emanating from our heart and our eyes. This morning, the, the gist of the message, I pray, that, and I pray you'll go home, go back, read Ephesians 4 again. But what Paul is saying is, as Christians, we have been called out to be separated from the world, to be different from the world. As Christians, we shouldn't lie on one another. We shouldn't be stealing from one another. We should use words that edify one another. We should be building one another up and understand that the treasures and pleasures 
of this world are going to look a whole lot different to those who understand the glory of God. The question comes down to this, where are you? There, there, there is no thing, not sports, not money, not even our health. There is not one thing that I could say is more important than Jesus Christ. Regardless of what the world may show me on this side of glory, no matter how much I would still love to be able to get up and play football with the young with the youth, want to run run track again and such. You know, I had a and praise God, this is a praise. But Wednesday I was at the VA and the the surgeon looked at it and said, you know, you're, there's just nothing else we can do for your knee. It's going to have to be replaced. Finally, after all these years, they're, at, they're talking about doing something that might actually work. But I have to accept, the old bones just aren't what they used to be. But the good thing is, my God is. He is everlasting to everlasting. And if I put my focus, my faith, and who I am in Him, then even though I may only have a short few years here, and my, my vanity is fleeting, as Solomon said. I can still go to the other side of glory with a clear heart of knowing those I left behind knows he served Jesus Christ. Where are you this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? That's for, you cannot be what God's called you to be. You can be you know, the, the, the evangelist this past week, I won't share his entire testimony, but one night he shared the testimony. He said, you know... Uh, he was a preacher's kid, and he, he just had everything going on. He's very tall, very muscular, so he's very blessed in the ability to play football. He, he got into a great football sco- uh, scholarship. He played football in college. He was the president of the uh, student council, uh, student, student government. He was vice president of his, his fraternity. He, he, he said he was just a good kid, a godly young man. He said him and one other person started a, a, a prayer group on the football team because they they were just living for Christ. He said, I never drank a drop of alcohol when I was in college. I I was a complete moralist. I did everything well. I did everything right. I didn't cuss. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. Everything was good. And the buddy he started the the Bible conference, uh, the Bible study with him one time said, you know, Andy, um, I think you're lost. And he said, I I thought he was crazy. You know, I I grew up in church. I've, I've started Bible studies. I don't do anything wrong. Complete moralist. But he said a few years later, he was at a Billy Graham evangelical thing. And he heard a sermon and it broke him. And he realized after growing up in that house, growing up doing all the college thing, at 22 years old, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Anybody else could have looked and said, you know, I think he's a... He must be a Christian because he goes to Bible study. He reads his Bible. He does good things. But did they see the light of Christ in him? His buddy who knew Christ? I don't see it, bro. I don't see it. As Christians, if you, you can be doing everything right, but if you don't have Christ, the light's not there. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today's the day to get that straight. You can pray right where you're at. You can come to this altar, but ask Him to move in a mighty way in your life. If you do know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't care if you're 5, 50, or 100. Make the decision now to let the world see Him in you. And I don't mean let them see, see Him in you by you taking their Bible and slapping them upside the head with it. Let them see it in your actions. Let them see it in your character. Let them see the new creation made by Christ. Where are you this morning? So I'll stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. And I do pray that you'll go back and read Ephesians 4. And maybe it's just me, but as I was sitting on the side of that river this past week, Ephesians 4 just screamed out at me. There's a distinction between the world and those that are his children. Now that doesn't mean to try to fit into a religious box. It means be what God's called you to be. He needed that academic Paul, and he needed that burly fisherman Peter, and everything in between to share the gospel. But even though this one was rough and coarse, and this one polished and refined, 
you could see Christ in both their lives. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Father God, I come before you this morning. I do ask that you give us the help and the strength that we need to get past our mouths, to put the the foul language to the side, to put the lying to the side, the gossip, the deceit. Help us to be able to walk on this earth and let others see a difference in us, in who we are and what we are. Father, I pray your will to be done in your people. And God, I say again with all my heart, if there is someone here today that does not know you and you, and there is a word that you need me to say to them or someone in this congregation to say to them to help them step off that fence, please give it to us, Father. Help us hear it so that your name will be lifted and glorified. Father, may thy will be done in the hearts of your people this day, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is God speaking to you this morning? They're going to be singing in just a moment. This altar is open. You can come bow a knee. You can bow where you're at. You can sit. You can stand. I'll pray with you. But do whatever the Lord's leading you to do. And may God's will be done this day as we sing.